In space, there are games of legend. Giants and behemoths of the past. They have gone dark and cold, their signal faint to us. All players were once forced to play alone. But these games are not forgotten, they remain in our memory. And now we shall go back and make them live once more. This is Retrolave. Welcome to Retrolave, a journey back in time through computer gaming's finest space sims. Each week we gather together a group of gaming veterans to roll back the years and relive the glory in search of what makes these games special. This week's offering is LucasArts Star Wars TIE Fighter. TIE Fighter is a 1994 space flight simulator computer game. It's the sequel to Star Wars X-Wing. And it places you, the player, in the role of an Imperial Starfighter pilot during events that occur between Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back, and Star Wars Episode VI, Return of the Jedi. In 1995, they released TIE Fighter Collector's Edition, and that's the version we're playing tonight. It boasts improved gaming resolutions of up to 640x480, as well as adding enhanced cutscenes and voiceovers. The game's plot begins soon after the Empire's victory on Hoth in The Empire Strikes Back, as with X-Wing, the player's character has no name. However, an included novella called The Steel Chronicles identifies the player's character as Marik Steel and provides a background narrative to help the player feel immersed into the game. In addition to oppressing and murdering the Rebel Alliance forces, the player also has to fight against pirates, civil war forces and traitorous Imperial forces. The original game climaxes with saving Emperor Palpatine from a coup and being personally rewarded during a large ceremony. Later game expansions focus on Admiral Thrawn's efforts to stop an Imperial traitor. The second expansion concludes just before the climactic battle at the end of Return of the Jedi. Despite corrupting the player with dark side juju, the game presents Imperial forces as maintainers of peace and order in a tumultuous galaxy. Playing TIE Fighter is similar to X-Wing, however you can switch from a first-person view to a third-person should you want to. Mission rules include dogfighting, escorting, inspecting ships, taking out capital ships and even space stations. Early in the game you are stuck flying the unshielded TIE Fighter variants, but as you progress, the better your ship options become. And despite the similarities to X-Wing, TIE Fighter does introduce several gameplay changes. The targeting system allows players to target capital ships and space station components, such as shield generators and weapons. Additionally, the targeting display shows a 3D model. Joining us tonight on Retrolave are Colin Ford. Hello, Phoenix to Fire from the forums. And Ben Moss Woodward. Hey up, it's Ben here, Edelweiss from the forums. And myself as guest host... Grant Wilcott, also known as Psycho Cow on the forums. And despite the temptation to do the musical version of Retro Life tonight, we have resisted temptation. So, guys, we'll get straight into TIE Fighter because we are absent of our vanguard this week, but we'll try and catch up with him at some point. Who has played TIE Fighter? Yay! And me. <laughs> and me! And All me. three of us, for once we have an three episode of Retro Life. Where we've all played the game, which is quite unusual. So we'll start with Colin. What are your memories of Tie Fighter? This game was really good 
it was one of those ones where you really wanted a, a good Star Wars game. X-Wing set the bar so high at the time, and nobody thought they could top it. And when they came out with TIE Fighter, everyone thought, but we're playing the baddies. And no one thought it would really work, but it does. It was well designed. I completed the thing. It spent hours on it. It's beginning to occur to me how many hours I lost in my youth to all these space sim games that I played, and I'm feeling quite bad about it, to be honest. It's a mission-based shooter, no, no freeform or anything like that. It's one of the better ones, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I misspent Youth of Gaming. I think as the show goes on, more and more of us are realising how much better our qualifications could have been if we'd stopped playing these games. Ben, what are your memories of uh, TIE Fire? Very much the same as Collins, I think. I really enjoyed it, and I, for one, actually enjoyed playing the Empire. It's nice to have a game where you're not running around with a glow stick or flying an X-Wing and things like that. It's nice to be what is theoretically the bad guys, although, as you said in the introduction, it's presented to you that you really are preserving and protecting the peace of the galaxy. Was it restoring peace and justice to the galaxy or whatever it is that, that Vader says at the end of episode three? When I think about it, all I can think about TIE Fighter is, God damn it, one hit and you're dead. Well, that's TIE Fighters for you. <laughs> Very much so. I mean, I think that's, that's carried on into some of the board games and things like that as well, that mm. you know, they're hyper-maneuverable, quite well-armed, but they're just one-hit wonders. Actually, they're not as maneuverable as an X-Wing in this uh, game. They aren't. As I discovered as we were setting up the joysticks for this, in the X-Wing, you can barrel roll. In this, you can't. You've just got your yaw and you climb when you dive. You can't roll. Or you have to press a different button to roll at the same time. That's going to be my mission tonight, to see if I can find a button that makes you roll. <laughs> Colin, seeing as you've completed the game, I noticed that when doing my little bit of research prior to this game that there was a personal reward from Emperor Palpatine. Can you remember what the personal reward was? Yes, you get a sodding big medal at the end of the first game. This is before you go on to the expansion. That was it. Well, I mean, we're not going to get very far into the game tonight, that's for sure. But is there anything in particular from your memory that you're looking forward to sampling? Oh, I don't think we'll get this far, but my favourite ship is in this game, and that's the TIE Defender. The TIE Defender was so awesomely, stupidly powerful, but it was a fantastic ship to fly. Ben, have you got anything you're looking forward to? I think I'm looking forward to taking on the the Y-Wings and things like that. I seem to remember a mission where you're trying to destroy rebel bases, and there's A-Wings, which were a complete pain to take out. I was uh, just going to say, you triggered a memory of me fighting those goddamn A-Wings, yeah. and they're just so quick and hard to hit. They really are. Especially if you're only in a TIE fighter, because you know yes. that if they flip round and get you, that's it. Right, well, I think we'll not hold off any longer. Let's boot up the game. So this is quite similar to the X-Wing menu system where there's a number of doors that represent different areas and different places to go for the game. Uh, we've got a film room, a tech room, new battle, combat chamber, training simulator and back out to the register. Right, well let's forget them and go straight into new battle. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yep. Okay, so new battle. <laughs> 
mighty empire is on the verge of success. Uh, battle 1, Aftermath of Hoth. Pursue rebels fleeing from Hoth. Ah, I've found how to roll. How? Well, for me, mouse button 2 rolls Rolf. my ship. Yep, yeah, that's it. Huzzah! But you can't roll it at the same time, that's the thing. What do you mean you can't roll it at the same You mean you can't roll and... M yeah, do you... anything else. Yeah, okay. Let's approach this thing and I'm coming in full fossil. That ought to keep these traitors off my back. <laughs> I've got to turn that in-flight in music down. It is... Oh. Yeah, that's massive. That is. Hang on, I'll just turn it down. Yeah. Oh, I found a rebel ship. Have you? Ons, ons, ons three is rebels. Oh, I got food stuff on that one. Food I like the way the, the ships blip red when you select them. Yeah. Our first step in building the new frontier station is to load material and parts for the base's assembly. The flight officer on the new mission map. Yep. And also we have a sneaky cloaked figure in the background. Inspect the abandoned containers. Do not destroy any containers that hold cargo. We wish to salvage any base equipment that may still be here. Who's died? Me. I just crashed into one of the shuttles. Um, return to briefing. How do I get out of it? Talk to my flight officer yep. or return to briefing I've got. Yeah, return. Return to briefing. TIE Fighter Group Gamma here to engage rebel forces. <laughs> Okay, and we're back in the room. After two hours of playing TIE Fighter, we have returned to share our findings, and all I can say is it brings back memories of when I first played that game, and all of them good, actually, I have to say. But let's not just take my word for it. Let's go over to Ben and ask Ben, what are your impressions of what we've just spent two hours doing? Oh, wow, that was so much fun. I mean, considering it's, what, 1994 or something like that, Yep. Yeah, this is back in the day, same kind of era that Wing Commander was out, and oh my god, it's just, you can't compare it. It's just so, so much better. Not to diss on Wing Commander, but yes, it's just, TIE Fighter was ridiculously better than Wing Commander. Does it live up to your memory, your rose-tinted glasses? Definitely. Back in the day when you know, you had a 640x480 monitor and you were happy with it, and now you know we're all at 1,600 or something crazy by 1,900, and it does get a little bit pixelated. Even with that, I find it very easy to overlook the pixelation of the graphics and you just forget that every pixel's been multiplied up by four times and things like that, and just get lost in the gameplay. Yeah, that was one thing I thought the gameplay was very smooth, so you could forgive a lot of the faults, because unlike some of the games we've played in the past, where the briefings can be clunky, and the, you've got to go through them, and they're step after step after step, and the cutscenes are so long, that was nice and concise, and with all the mission fails that we went through, you found it so easy to get straight back into them, and one of the problems I had with Tachyon was, there was no skipping your little cutscenes and getting straight back into the action but there was no problem with that with TIE Fighter and that made failure not such a big turn off it didn't 
make you think, oh, bugger it, they can bloody have that sector. <laughs> Let them win. I don't care anymore. I've had enough of this goddamn mission. So I found it was very engaging and so easy to go, right, I'll just have one more try. I'm sure I'll do it this time. What were your feelings, Colin? Basically, it was Star Wars. That That's the kind of thing that we were after. I had a couple of issues with the joystick configuration, but once I got past that, it was great. And the fact that you felt so fragile in that little TIE fighter, and you certainly felt like a really tiny cog in a big machine, it just dragged you straight into the universe it wanted you to. I also wasn't very keen on the way that when you blew up a ship at close range, you were in real danger of crashing into the debris. That was the biggest end to most of my missions. Yeah, that was one thing that I completely forgot. The first wipeout I got was basically crashing into one of the shuttles I was chasing. In an X-Wing, that would have been, what, just a bit of the shield gone. No, TIE Fighter, you're dead. Now, I was using the mouse as the controller, which involved an awful lot of slide and lift, slide and lift, slide and lift, just to do the sort of simplest manoeuvre. You both were using joysticks. So, Ben, how did you find it with the joystick controller? I found I tried doing slide and lift when I was trying to do the rings for the first time and gave up after about a minute. And then I spent a wee bit of time trying to get my joystick configured. It's a shame I could only do the two-axis joystick, so couldn't configure any of my buttons, couldn't configure the throttle. But I found using the joystick a lot easier, even though if I just let my ship fly naturally, it wanted to bank up to the up and right So I was always having to fight against that, which made getting lock-ons with the proton torpedoes a nightmare. I still find that easier than using the mouse. And was it much the same for you, Colin? Yeah, I had the same kind of joystick drift problem. I mean, that's just down to the age of the game, I think. But far superior than using a mouse, because I remember trying to play X-Wing using a mouse, and I think I got wrist sprained from just dragging and dragging and dragging and dragging, and it never used to be as precise as the joystick. I think, though, when you think about the resolutions back then and the mouse movement, everything was a much smaller movement because there wasn't such a big resolution to cover. And I know that with uh, your modern-day joysticks, they're so sensitive. But the gameplay, I thought, was absolutely fantastic. Super smooth, just absolutely engaging. I couldn't find anything that kind of took you out of it, albeit very arcadey, and you felt just completely in that little cockpit. But you just flew them you know for want of a better word you just flew that tie fighter until your mission was over or you died and i think that was a a fantastic fun feeling unlike the other games we've played where we've really really struggled to get the missions completed i think yes you're saying it's very arcadey but there were some times when i was following an x-wing or a y-wing trying to get lock on and you know you are feeling like that scene in the trench run of Darth Vader going up to the left and he's going up to the right and you're trying to get lock on. And it might be arcadey, but that's what the film's like. So now you mentioned that I was chasing one of the X-Wings and they don't make it easy. It's very hard to predict which way they're going to break and you often found that you were firing into empty space because he's spun round on you. Mm, that was one of the things that I found that was really, really good about the AI. The higher they got, the more intelligent they flew and obviously when you have pilots in a wings then then you're really up against it 
the controls in that game were quite complex. You had quite a lot of range of options, ways of diverting your laser power into your engine so that you can get that vital speed to get your backside close to the target you're trying to scan before it jumps. And then quickly divert it back into your laser so that you can fire a few shots and disable the target so that you can capture it. And I think the balance of keys, looking at the guide, we had match speeds, we had next targets, hostile targets, um, you had right click to select the target in your crosshairs. Did you find the keys helpful or a hindrance to the immersion? I think they're pretty much standard fare, really. You know, T and Y's pretty normal. Targeting the closest enemy was very helpful, and the U to get the most recently jumped in was good. Matching speed was essential, I found. I don't think there was too many keys for the game. had everything that we needed. The only thing that I wish, and this is purely because of the age of the game, is that I could put them in my joystick rather than having to take my hands off the joystick to do things on the keyboard and maybe get lost a bit. But that's all part of the course, I think, this genre of game. It does describe the game as a space flight simulator. So, Colin, with you being such an expert on iWar and the fact that that really did have keys on keys on keys and combinations of keys, I imagine you found that this was quite simplistic. No, it was just about right, to be honest, for for a Star Wars game, because, well, Star Wars games is not full-blown Newtonian physics. It's more like World War II dogfighting. But... I think the only key that I actually missed, I'm going to kick myself if I've missed it, is that I want to find out who's targeting me. Because there were a couple of times in the mission when the little red warning light came on to say that someone was shooting at you, and you didn't know who it was. So you just had to throw yourself about madly in the hope that they'll miss you, but you had no idea who to go after. Yes, Colin, that would be the E button. <laughs> You're joking. I am serious. No. Oh God, let me have a look. E target the nearest enemy attacking. Oh. Oh, that's professionalism for you. Well, okay. In that case, I think there were far too many keys for me to keep hold of. <laughs> Just one too many. One too many keys. <laughs> Okay, well, I think that covers it, unless anybody has any points they want to raise about our sort of initial impressions and the gameplay. No, and it has a reputation of being one of the best space sims out there, and even after this time, I think that's still well-deserved. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think that was fun. I'll completely agree. I had a blast, yeah. In X-Wing, because I didn't play X-Wing, was it as quick to get back into the missions? I think there was a design decision to say, right, oh no, you've died, press the button, straight back in, start the mission again. I think it might have been a lesson learned from X-Wing, but casting my mind back to X-Wing, yeah, it was kind of like a chore to get through the game. Well, there was a thing that in X-Wing where if you died, your pilot actually got wiped. All progress that you'd made, all the medals that you'd won, all the ribbons that you'd won, they got wiped. And although your character still carried on, you had to start building all your, your stuff up again. So It was kind of like Iron Man mode. It kind of was, and that really sort of was a bit of a ball breaker after you'd got through to the sixth battle and the, the last mission before going up to the Death Star and you hit an unfortunate torpedo and then that was it. It wasn't so much that you couldn't get back into the mission, it was the fact that you actually had to create a new pilot yeah, and then 
continue the mission from where it was and that did make it very clunky so that's definitely something learned in TIE Fighter that improves it by far over X-Wing okay right well that thing covers it for our initial thoughts and the gameplay so what did we think of the graphics in that game did we find them counterintuitive did they stand out so badly they were like a nun in a whorehouse Colin what did you think they were adequate you could tell that they were old school. You can tell it was early, sort of 90s. But I'm afraid to say I actually remember them better because I had the special edition of the X-Wing collection, which I had X-Wing, TIE Fighter, and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter all rolled into one. And both X-Wing and TIE Fighter were actually re-engineered using the engine from X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. So when you come back to this collector's edition, you sort of think, I don't remember it being this blocky. It was passable when you were on the tail of an X-Wing. You still felt you were doing an imitation of Darth Vader in the trench run. And it was great. So so you would say that the graphics in this version tonight were inferior by far to the X-Wing collection? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. In the collector's edition, you can make out the hexagon panels on the viewport on TIE Fighters as they flew past. Which is considerably different to what we had tonight, which was very, very, very much polygons. Mm. Ben, what are your opinions of the graphics? My original playthrough of the game was this version of it, so I didn't sort of feel like I'm taking a step backwards like that. I remember them being really good, but then you're comparing them to what everything else was like at the time, so I suspect they're very serviceable graphics for their day. Okay, well, that'll do it for the graphics then. Let's go on to one of my favourite subjects because I absolutely love the plinky plonky delights that you have from that space piano. Let's talk about the sound and the music. Well, anyone got any thoughts, Colin? Okay, well, music. Typical MIDI stuff. It really got irritating after a while. It had to turn that down quite a lot. But I still left it in there because this is the first game that LucasArts put in with dynamic music. So When you were flying about on patrol and nothing was happening, it was pretty ambient, there wasn't anything alerting you, but then as soon as a bunch of rebels jumped in, the score immediately sort of went, this is the attack song coming in. That was quite good, the fact that the music changed to the environment. As far as the actual laser sounds, absolutely excellent. You know, you felt when a TIE fighter flew past you too close, you heard the famous TIE fighter roar. When you flew past a Y-wing, it had its own engine sound. It was noticeable. It was Star Wars. One of the things that you pointed out there is the fact that it was Star Wars. And you had a movie and you expected the sounds from the movie to be in the game. And in that particular game, they were. Every every single one of them. The only thing I thought was maybe a bit disappointing was the damage sound. So when your ship took damage, it was a bit bang. But then again, you only ever tend to hear that once. <laughs> You were lucky to hear that sound. It was either boom or crack. That was it. (laughs) Ben, what did you think of the sound? I think the sound is Star Wars. From the second you've got the opening crawl, you know you're playing a Star Wars game, and it shows. I think the missions were all fully voiced as well. I think that's really quite impressive. Yeah, the voice acting was actually very good, and the shady characters hiding in the background of your briefing scenes so you could find out about your submissions and all this. I think the sound was absolutely excellent and that was probably the biggest immersive factor of the game is the Star Wars sound effects coming in around you and it just 
utterly satisfied that childish hunger for being part of that universe. The minute you hear your pew pew and there's TIE fighters shooting past you and then seeing those X-Wings on your radar and going, oh crap, where can I go and hide? They're going to kick my arse. I think it was utterly compelling. It just pulled you right in and you thought, I'm going to die. <laughs> and they were dead. Yeah, there was one bit in the second mission when I thought, oh, right, we've just managed to fight off all those Y-Wings. And then three X-Wings jump in. And I think, what the hell am I supposed to do against these? I think that actually brings us nicely into the storyline. What did you feel about the storyline and the way it was portrayed to us in-game? Ben! Well, we only played the first three missions of this we totally didn't touch on any of the storyline as such, but the game did make you feel you are a pilot in the Empire. You're a workaday pilot, you're going out, doing mission, doing your job. And I know from playing the game back in the day that the story was good. And it was there, but I don't think we really touched that, unfortunately. And what about yourself, Colin? Um, as far as the story is concerned, we just scraped the surface. You saw the beginnings of where things would start, you see that all of a sudden you've got the shadowy figure in the background who wants you to do additional things for the Emperor. Even from Mission 2, you were thrown right in at the deep end. You were fighting off a major rebel attack, and it felt scary, and it felt that this is going to be it. And then you get the Star Destroyer turn up, and then you're transferred onto that Star Destroyer for the rest of the plot. What happens later on normally involves the hammer and a lot of the higher-ups, which involves politics and things like that. But you felt that the missions definitely mattered because you wanted to survive that second mission when they were all throwing X-Wings and Y-Wings at you. Did the game give us a sense that we were fighting for the wrong side? No. It gave you the sense that you were the good guys. I distinctly remember this from the game where it sort of, you felt that, you were actually dealing with pirates and insurgents. You weren't actually dealing with freedom fighters. And I suppose that's the nice twist that they put into this game. So the same for you, Ben. You felt that you were justified in your murderous intent. It's not murderous intent. They're criminals and they deserve it and they had it coming. Damn <laughs> rebel scum. <laughs> I think I totally agree. I think you find, other than I wish they'd changed the radar colours to blue because that completely messed me up. Why is that TIE fighter fighting for the baddies? Oh no, wait a minute, we're the baddies. <laughs> but I think you did feel that you were part of a bigger story and that you had your bit to play and I think you just instantly wanted to win. You just wanted to destroy all these fighters, and you're thinking, can I shoot that as well? <laughs> can I kill that one, please? And I think, yeah, the, the frailty of your ship really added that sense of it's important to stay alive. Yeah, I think we were all wanting to chase over some of those corvettes or whatever it was, but a corvette versus a TIE fighter is a bad idea. <laughs> See, I just remember the corvettes being a stream of laser fire, and that was from X-Wing. So I wouldn't like to be seeing that stream of laser fire from the other end. Right, well, do you feel there is anything from TIE Fighter that would be a good feature to see in Elite Dangerous or anything that would absolutely make you sick to your stomach if they dared introduce it? And we'll go with Ben first this time. I think I've said it before, but I love storyline and game, and I really hope that we do have, when we're flying for the Federation military or something like that, I want that experience to be very like 
the Wing Commander experience, the TIE Fighter experience, where you're on the, your capital ship, you're given your mission, and you're given your ship, and you go off and do your job, and then you return to base. How do you think that would fit into the Elite Dangerous? Because if you think about these games, there's a story already written for the game and you have to fulfil your parts in order to achieve those objectives. In an evolving universe like Elite Dangerous, is there any way you could see that would allow for such a storyline to progress? And I know that in my head, I, I think the news feeds and having your developers actively write stories as they go is going to be very important, but is there anything you can foresee that would enable that kind of storyline, mission-based feature of Elite Dangerous to happen? I think, as you say, it requires the frontier developments or staff to be involved with the, the ongoing universe, but they might even be able to do it using some kind of procedures where they can see that there are a bunch of people attacking Lave Station well, the guys whose jurisdiction Lave Station falls into, that could spawn a whole lot of missions to go and protect it. Whereas the guys attacking it, that would spawn a whole lot of missions to take out this feature or maybe blockade it or however you want to do it. So there might be some kind of clever stuff they could do to procedurally generate your missions without it seeming going out and killing 10 rats. I think you're right there, actually. I think if they had some kind of this is the attack plan and we have attack stage 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 and then they've got maybe 8 or 9 mission types for each level and that once they've had enough pilots complete enough missions at that level they move up to the next target that they're aiming for and equally on the counter side they've got their same way to counter it and the judgement of who wins overall is who can get up their list the quickest. What about yourself Colin? Well... To be honest, I'm going to have to disagree on this one. There's not really much here that I could see Elite Dangerous using. Because if I remember rightly, the Elite Dangerous is supposed to be sort of more free-flowing. And although you have career paths in the military, I can't see them putting together a plot in the impression of the universe that I've envisioned so far. What I'm thinking about is how could they do it? I mean, you've got the authors who have written these stories and they want to put this content in. And okay, you don't exactly want an author's book to be rewritten by us bastards. That's already happening with Mostly Harmless. People have already decided that's the place they're all going to dump their radioactives. If there's a Brent station in Slough, you definitely know that's going to be full of cack before you know it. Although, saying that, if you can get yourself a nice refuge-collecting job, you can really clean up. <laughs> so you wouldn't like to see that kind of storyline hierarchy. I can see how it could fit in, and I think Elite could use that in these kind of large-scale military campaigns to create storylines. And with the news feeds, you can then highlight players that can complete a critical mission that allows them to get up to the next stage and reward them with acknowledgement and, of course, the reverse side acknowledges them with quite hefty bounties and missions against them. That's what I would like to see for Elite, but I don't think that's where it's going. I have to agree with that. I mean, it's one of these things which it would be nice if, basically, you had military structures in Elite that matched this kind of thing. But I don't see them going to be able to do it. It would be too complicated to put that much in, as well as all the free trading and all the stuff that goes with it. I think we're probably in agreement that we'd love to see certain things, but we'll have to accept the fact that the game just won't lend itself to them at this current time. 
what I was thinking is, whilst we might like the story-based missions and things like that in Elite, one of the things that I think, and we've seen it with Star Wars as well, is the fully voiced missions. And I think it would be great if we could somehow get voice acting into Elite, but I don't think it's appropriate. But it would be fabulous if they could work it in. We were all impressed with the newsfeed features in Tacky and the Fringe because it was slick and it was voice acted and I think with TIE Fighters voice read mission briefings and the interaction with the flight officer, it would be a shame if Elite didn't have something similar to really help you immerse and feel like you were being given the mission rather than just reading text because I think if Elite doesn't have voice in it it's going to feel very empty and lonely. All that I was going to say on this matter was just as long as we avoid the same situation we had in Frontier First Encounters with those video introductions, if you like. If you remember in Frontier First Encounters, when you docked and you went to the message board, you'd have someone turn up in a blocky video feed and say, what can we do for you today? It would really, really great after a while, and you'd have to switch the video off. Maybe Ben and I are the only two people on the entire planet that would like to have our text read to us because we're too bloody lazy to read it ourselves. Hey, nothing wrong with audiobooks. Right, well, that wraps things up, unless there's any other features that either one of you would like to see taken from TIE Fighter. I think the arcadey nature of the space battles and the fact that you can't just joust in that. I mean, if you fly straight at the opponent, you're dead. And I think if we can get that kind of dogfighting element into Elite Dangerous, the gameplay is going to be so enjoyable that it's going to just be great fun. Yeah, I agree with that. I did enjoy the dogfighting. I know it's not proper space fighting, but it's closer to the original Elite than Frontier First Encounters was. Right, well that wraps up this discussion for tonight. Now on to our favourite part of the show, where we get to mark the game out of 10. So we're going to start with Colin. What are your marks out of 10 for TIE Fighter? Uh, I'm going to give this 8, 8.5. Wow. Absolutely enjoyed it. It was Star Wars. You know it gets better after these first three missions. It got you straight away, and it won't let go. Fantastic. It's a really good score as well. Ben? Yeah, I was going to go for a seven and a half eight. As Colin says, it is Star Wars, but that's part of the reason why I'm marking it down, because as we've been talking about a wee bit earlier, I would have liked a more advanced flight control system and that kind of stuff, but Star Wars doesn't do that kind of thing. Um, I myself would probably mark it around about seven, seven and a half, which by my reckoning gives it around about a seven and a half overall average score, which is pretty respectable actually for a game of its age. It's really stood up quite well and I don't think any of us feel that we've uh, had a, a particularly difficult evening of playing at all. No, it's, it's been very been good last. fun. No, it's, it's been, been good. Fantastic. Well, that's it for this episode. Hope you've enjoyed the journey back in time. If you'd like to join the RetroLave team to play and then record, we gather on Monday nights at 8.30pm on Skype. Add Lave.radio to your Skype list and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest updates. Until next time, it's game over.
um, the closest enemy em, en, enemy closest enemy oh for fuck's sake the closest <laughs> the closest emina perhaps <laughs> well we were taking a lot of things from behind <laughs> just at the pilot roster where we enter our pilot's name and then we can proceed through to what I imagine will be another X-Wing LucasArts special Concord area so Concord? If we want, we're flying, yeah that's what they call Concourse Concourse so well <laughs> So now we've got a nice little pirate briefing area with uh, another rather. Is it? It's a pirate, pirate bit. A pirate, a pirate. Pa- it's <laughs> apparently. <laughs> it's apparently a pilot briefing area <laughs> with a lovely, <laughs> pixelated person. There you go. Let's go for all the peas. Eh? <laughs> go for it. I'll mute. Right, so we are now in a pilot briefing area presented with a pixelated person in a pedestal in the centre of the room. 